I love your watch. Thank you. The way I said it felt crazy. After I said it, I was like, you're going to leave and be like, my watch is missing. <laughs> Connor took it right off your arm. He's a comedian and he's a pickpocket. A grifter. That's a grifter. It's just, he's just coming to terms with the side identity. Wait, that would be so crazy if we had a podcast and we had people over to our house. To and then you pickpot. Yeah. And then, they, and then they called you out and then you were like, well, it was hard being gay. <laughs> so you're not going to like accuse People a queer podcast. Yeah. Well, I'm LGBTQ plus, so I don't know what, <laughs> what, where you're going with that. Hey, Nico. Hey, Con. I love you. I love you. No homo. A mm, little bit of homo for me. Just a little? Just a smidge. From two guys who were never part of the boys club, we want to welcome you to ours. Welcome to boys club. This is our podcast. About boys. And about other things. Like the clubs. And the things we were a part of. Hockey. And we're not a part of. Bagels. Wait, did you say we were a part of hockey? No, I wasn't. Me neither. Welcome to the club, boys. Grab a bagel. <laughs> Connor's like, what do boys eat? <laughs> My feelings. <laughs> okay. Hey, Con. Hi, Nico. I, we haven't seen each other in like 12 days. What did you miss the most? Um, your face. No, stop. <laughs> oh my God. You didn't even see my mustache. You didn't even see my mustache. I did one it day. It came and it went. Maybe I just saw That photos. was the first day. It got crazy. Wow. I was on I a left zoo. for 12 days and you got a full different facial People hair. forget that about me. The most masculine thing about me is that I can grow facial hair. Like, listen. Psh, like weeds. Listen. You know who's never forgotten that is me. You, you know, I talk right, about it all right. the time. You have the best scruff ever. The mustache became it became was like I realized I had to learn to use a trimmer or just get rid of it altogether, and I was like, that sounds easier. See, I'm getting facial hair for the first time right now. It's like it, overnight, it like kicked in like a little caterpillar, and I, now I was thinking about this last night. I'm like, what? How do I maintain this? You just have to keep as it going. grows. I guess do I was like, do I trim it? Do you don't I have to do anything. Have you seen my brother? I don't think he does anything. <laughs> I don't think he does a damn thing. Sorry, Nathan. Um. Did you see any boys clubs while I was away? Okay, I won a dating show. Um, <laughs> people keep... I'm so excited to talk about it. Live? Live yes, show. Yes, people keep getting confused when I say dating show. They're like, what channel? And I'm like, you don't understand. It's on, it was at Littlefield. It was at Littlefield. <laughs> it was at Littlefield. It was one time. And I did win it. And I didn't mean to. Like, I went in. I was very nervous. I was like, I really want to win this. I hope this doesn't become this, like, sad thing. But I did not want to win it. it I'm, I'm not going to describe this well. Okay. So we're going to have to edit this whole part out. Okay. But... There was a man on one side of a curtain and then three contestants and I was one of the contestants and he was asking us questions and I was like, okay, I have to win this. And, but then like the questions were like, how often do you eat ass or something? And then I was like, I don't know. And then <laughs> there's like, that's just like a lot. And it's like, ask me what I do. Or like, I just like have so many ideas. And I was right. like, this is just like not my vibe, but that's not a bad question to ask. It's just like, we are like, this is a, like a live studio audio. Like, I don't know. I feel like the whole purpose of the, of the curtain is like to be like, we're not going to see how you look. We're going to know more about you. I know. And I was like, I'm an ENFB Taurus <laughs> if you care. <laughs> I guess eating ass is something. Yes. Oh, be. sorry. Very good. Um, and then I knew it was going to go south because then they were like, give the stool a lap dance. Oh. And he couldn't even see the stool. So I was like, okay. Yeah, and then again, I, not really feed, feeding into the way that this is structured. Yes. So I, this is where I think I won it by accident. I hugged the stool Aww. and gave it a pat and I said, I love you. And then <laughs> the audience loved that. And then I was like, maybe this is my Saturn return because I'm like winning things by being my true self. And <laughs> that's what they said this would be like. So then I literally at the end was like, crap, I won by accident. Yeah. And I think I won because this man thinks I'm a top because I said that I would rather eat ass than have my ass eaten, which I think is saying top. And I think he heard top. Oh. And then so it's like I won this by absolute accident. 
And did you? What what came of that? Did you have to like go on a date with him or anything? No, we have a text. I would text because I'm super professional. I used to work at marketing, so it was like <laughs> really professional after we exchanged networks. Okay. And he works at Today Ticks, and I said I really want to see Wicked. And oh, <laughs> is that how you got the tickets? No, I oh. got that from the lottery. Okay. That's I won that. That's a good connection to have, though. Somebody that works at Today Ticks. I know. I'm gonna have to hold on to him. Yeah. There was something about this, it, but it reminded me of Wicked because I wanted to win so bad, mm. and in Wicked, she's like. And if that joy, that thrill doesn't thrill like you think it will about she, getting she your dreams. She being Glinda or Elphaba? Glinda, only ever Glinda. Okay, sure. I'm a Glinda apologist. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my boys club. My boys club is people that won things and also went on dating shows. And Dating shows can be a boys club, yeah, for sure. I know, I kind of want to go back and do it again. But like be in the on the other side of it this time, and be the be the uh, the main guy. Yeah, and I'd be like, what, what's up? What's up? Like, you ask good questions. Moments for you, yeah. You because you always come in swinging on dates with like, what happened in your last relationship? Wait, you want to know something? They said, what's an unpopular gay opinion that you have? And then someone was like, I hate Beyonce, and then someone else said some other thing, and then I said, mine is that I love lesbians. And then lesbians in the crowd got really excited, and I was like, oh, I thought I wanted that man, and I want these lesbians and I actually <laughs> maybe would have rathered that at the end of the day we all want lesbians approval yeah. I think yeah I said I'd rather go to the woods on a Wednesday than a three dollar bill on okay. any day I think what we connect most on is th- is the lesbian aspects of ourselves I know I love lesbians <laughs> they're the only people that are nice to me the only people that never <laughs> ask me for anything that's true and just give yeah but that's not a friend that's not a cyclical friendship anyway um how are you? I missed you. I missed you too. What is your boys club? Okay, my boys club for this week is an actual, like, because sometimes we do dating shows and then sometimes we get into actual, like, men being crazy in the world. Okay, so I found through, basically my friend had this w- crazy ex-boyfriend from college who, like, there was a very dramatic falling out. And so I found myself high. At Wake Forest. Yes, at Wake Forest. I found myself <laughs> going through an internet rabbit hole because I was high and I was just, like, glued to my phone and I was on his Instagram profile and I saw he posted this crazy photo of himself, like, carrying a log in, like, the mud with a bunch of dudes. And I was like, what the fuck is he up to these days? And so then I clicked on what he tagged. And it's this organization called Men of War, which is, like, basically this boot camp designed by some sort of, like, alpha male, it's like, so embarrassing. TikTok personality who, like, it's it's the thing says, earn your seat in the fastest growing brotherhood of elite men on the planet. And it's just, like, basically, like, faux army camp. Um and it, it's like, are you ready to become a stronger father, leader, visionary, brotherhood, push yourself to the limits, expand your business, break yourself free of bad habits? So I think it's the kind of thing where you end up, if your like, wife threatens divorce and you have like one thing left to pull, you go <laughs> to, and on the website, it says it's located in a, quote, undisclosed location in North Florida. <laughs> oh, jeez. So it's like, here's what's wild. Men go to war. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like men of war. It's like, no, we have that. I know. It's They're like overseas. the army. I guess so it's like, it's like a five day boot camp. So it's like, if you don't want to go full commit to the army, but you like need to get your life together in five days by like breaking yourself down. And I watched so many videos about it. I was watching videos about the founder. Cause at first I was like, the first video I saw of him, he was like, there's a lot of like small businesses that are going out of business because landlords are hiking rent up. Ugh. That's not how men act. Men do not like hike rent up on these small businesses. And I was like, okay, that's kind of great. Like maybe he's okay. And then the next video was like, if your woman disrespects her, you got to leave that bitch. And I was like, okay, he's exactly who I thought he was. Okay. (laughs) A lot of men just want to start a business and don't know how. (sighs) And it's like, there has to be 
kind of a, like start an Etsy shop. They're so devoid of purpose. It's crazy. And they just like end up in, I don't know, I guess there's a market. For, I was just like, and then this guy who da- used to date my friend went to one, I guess. And then I was like looking through, they have all the rosters and like, f- like group photos of each group posted because they do like one, you get like selected for like this year's class of whatever. I don't know how often they do it. I got really into it, like looking through it. It's crazy. But on this podcast, we've had so many people come on. I'm sorry if this is the boys club you want to see in the world, but <laughs> so many people are like, I just want to see like kind of a way to hang out together that's not at a bar and that like is at the park and like doing a ropes course. And like so, so many <laughs> men of war is a third space. Yes. <laughs> so many people actually do want this. Like we've heard so many queer people say that this is kind of what they wanted. They want a place to hang out, but yeah. not like. But it, it goes back to Glinda. And if that joy, that thrill doesn't thrill like you think it will. I know. It just also feels like you could have like some sort of like, I don't know empowering men to be better i don't know i like it's like what if this was like actually like beneficial and they were learning actual good things but it's obviously like so i think they're co-opting war okay <laughs> for sure we have war they're co-opting the army experience no doubt like it's not like men of ancient greece which is over we're still in war yeah am i, I am i watch msnbc we're in a war <laughs> like that's crazy yeah so that was pretty nuts but that's my that's my boys club for this week you know what i'm gonna say two words to you mm. stolen valor isn't this a little <laughs> stolen valorish <laughs> a little bit a little bit Mm-mm. so we're calling them out um all right should we bring our guests in yes all right boys our guest this week is an amazing writer and stand-up comedian you might know him from his podcast radio lab please welcome george severus hello hi um welcome. wow a lot to <clears throat> wow i was getting <laughs> emotional there <laughs> um wait okay I'm fascinated. I agree that it's stolen valor, but at the same time, I'm fascinated by your contention that like they should just go to war. <laughs> because oh, wait, it's no. like okay, I t- I absolutely think this is sounds sort of pathetic, but at the same time it is actually if you if you want to get out your masculine aggression, mm-hmm. it's better to do it in like an environment where no one gets hurt. That's true. That that's in well, it's almost like AI in that sense. Where sure. Like it, well, they should do VR. Is what VR? You mean. Yes. <laughs> yes. We should send them headsets. Yeah. And then it's like, you want to start a business? Start one in this AI town, and then try in to the, apply. The what they they should, we should do Westworld. Yes. That is what they, they need. need Westworld. They need Westworld. Um, but where the but the robots can't gain sentience because no. then that would be a slippery slope, <laughs> and we've all seen how that turns out. Um, I also really related to the. Le- I also feel very connected to let. It's like there's no way to say this without sounding. Um, Almost condescending, but I feel very connected to lesbians in the way Be that you, in the way that you guys do. We love. They were lesbians. like the only people that were nice to me in college. Yes. Yeah. We. I. We. I didn't know any lesbians in college because I think I didn't know to look. Yeah. I was the only one. So. <laughs> North Carolina. It was North Carolina. It's a North Carolina <laughs> thing. But yeah, no, totally. Like I feel like especially in New York and like as I'm, uh, I don't know, seeing more, uh, you know, manifestations of queerness. It's like. Time and time again, I'm like, I want to be where the dykes are, always. I know. It's so true. I remember going to, I used to live in San Francisco, going to Pride and being like, the only part of Pride that feels in any way authentic is Dyke March. Yeah. Especially at the time, because I was there literally when the tech companies were like infiltrating Pride. <laughs> like it, everything that now we think of as cliche, like, oh my God, the, you know, the Airbnb float, like that was all happening then. It was yeah. really, I was really at the beginning of something. <laughs> and and the only part of Pride that felt cool was Dyke March because it was, it did actually feel like it was part of a long history of queer activism yeah. and, and whatever. You can feel it like we, we were talking about this with, with like the March here this summer like the difference between that and the corporate you know kind of city sponsored pri- is you can feel that one is city sponsored and one is like a grassroots organized only the people that are like yeah. part of this are the ones that are here 
Um, and it just, yeah, you can you can feel the like authenticity of that. Totally. Also, like all these things that have become punchlines, like Lilith Fair and Indigo Girl, like all these things that are sort of like punchlines on Thirty Rock or something. It's like okay, so they found community. <laughs> like what losers. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Wait, I just remember that last night I was doing this stand-up at a bar and then I just wanted to make the people in front of me laugh and it was all these straight cries. Sam, I'm telling a sad story. Do you want to hear it? And then I just wanted to make these people, when you do stand-up, you just want to make the people in front of you laugh no matter what cost. And then I something fell over and then I said, somehow it led to me saying something about lesbians not being there to do the tech. And then I was like, these people loved that, but it wasn't funny and it was mean. And I was like, I've attacked totally. my own community. I've eaten the only people that were ever nice to me to make these straight guys in Kith shirts laugh. Oh, uh, no, there's nothing worse than doing it. <laughs> there's nothing worse than doing like a self, like deprecating joke. And then people are laughing. You're like, mm, that 100%. didn't feel good. That did not feel good. That was so much. I started doing comedy in Boston and that was so much oh. of like, and I don't want to put Boston down too much. I think people do that enough. But so much of my experience <laughs> Cut, was... the part where I gasped. <laughs> so much of my experience was being like, wow, I'm getting more laughs than I've ever gotten. And then realizing, oh, it's because I'm literally like calling myself a faggot. Yeah. Like, yes. like, all right, cool. <laughs> yeah, they love that. Uh, that's like your joke when you say like, every time I say faggot, there's one strike guy in the back that's like, say it again, say it yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. I the other day said... I'd rather because people call me BB. They're like, "Hi, BB." I hate those people. And I was like, "I'd rather be called a faggot because a faggot can tie their shoes." And I was like, "That's <laughs> bad." I, I used like, to have a sh- I used to have a joke that was a, I can't remember what it was, but it was like about people calling you buddy, like the sort of masculine condescension of yeah. of or or I mean, the the phrase "gay dude" is also similar to this, where people are like, "Yeah, I like walked in and there was this gay dude," like whatever. But <laughs> people calling you buddy, I'm like. I would genuinely prefer it if you called me a slur. Than <laughs> yes. if you called me Big guy. Buddy. Oh my God. the wor- But buddy, especially, especially if it's someone that is fully your age or even younger, but it's like a show of, it's a, it's a dom, it's like doming you. And that they don't know what to do with you. Yeah. Yeah. They don't see you as a fully formed, complicated yeah. individual no, with you're years of trauma. Like, yeah. You're almost like a cartoon character that I'm like, just like this little. Yeah. Buddy. And they don't realize they're the cartoon character yeah. because guess what? They're a straight guy saying buddy. Like <laughs> Every time anyone calls us that, I want all of us to do the same thing. We're going to hiss. Yeah. <laughs> That'll show And up. then run away. Shock them. Do you remember the Hey Arnold episode where he like has to have a fight with someone and then he brings a boom box and he's like, you can't fight a weird person. Can I tell you something? On my way here, I was listening to the Natalie Robert Lightman episode because I was like, you know, I wanted to prepare. It's like, and you tell the the two things you talked about were Wicked and Hey Arnold. And I was like, and then when you started talking about Wicked, I was like, oh, so is Wicked like a segment they do? Wait, I just repetitive. The same things that I'm like so fixated on. No, but the Wicked thing, especially, I was like, oh. We went Wait. through a phase where we talked about girls for like six episodes. Girls, yeah. and I was like, HBO's girls, HBO's girls. And we do that in, in my podcast too. <laughs> and I'll always and be like, like and I broke up with someone it. one time, and I'll bring him up any chance yeah. I can, like any opportunity I get. Isn't it? Th- we have things like that. Like, I mean, Lady Gaga's Chromatica comes up more often than we'd like to admit. For the longest time, Sam was. I mean, and me too. We were both obsessed with bringing up the vomit artist that Lady Gaga performed with at South by Southwest. This was probably before your guys' time, but when she was promoting art pop, she was trying to be like very punk rock and cool. And at South by Southwest, she performed with what was then revealed to be a vomit artist. I'm doing air quotes for everyone at home. And this is someone who, whose art consisted of like literally making herself vomit in like different colors. And that was like the art. How does she control so the she color like, of vomit? Is it just a dumb I, question? She probably just like drinks a smoothie or something. So she would be like, she was vomiting on Lady Gaga on stage. And people were like, wow, she's fully jumped the shark. 
That is wild. Yeah. Art can be anything. Look up, literally, your art pop can be anything. Look up vomit artist Lady Gaga. We talked about that for like 17 episodes in a row in 2020. I mean, fair enough. My favorite song on art pop, I think, was about a turban, and then she changed the lyric. Do you know what I'm talking about? It was a burka, first of all. <laughs> Wait, cut and that. she said, That's bad, right? It was literally. Um, so it's Aura is the song. Yes, I loved that song. And I think at some point it was released with the title Burka. But then I think even still in the lyrics, she keeps saying blah, 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 behind the aura. And it's like, okay, those are good enough lyrics. And at some point out of nowhere, she goes behind the aura, behind the burka. I'm like, what? Like, th- this isn't even, this isn't even necessary. Yeah. Like, this entire song, it's not like it's the central metaphor is like some Islamophobic metaphor about the burka. Yeah. Just take out that one line. Right. It's fine. <laughs> I loved that. That's the only song I remember from that album. Yeah. Sadly, yeah. I remember every single one. <laughs> Did you go to her tour? You know, I went to Chromatica this year, or last year, whatever it was, and I had the time of my life, but I had not seen her before then. Have you seen her? No. <laughs> but here's the thing. I'm like freaked out. You don't out. care? I'm, no, no, no. I do like Lady Gaga. Uh-huh. My favorite song ever is kind of a deep cut, and I think it's really underrated. What is it? Dancing in the Dark? Hair. I oh. love Dancing in the Dark. Um, hair. I love Lady Gaga. Hair's a, was hair a single? No, it wasn't. Single. No, I remember hair. I loved hair. I loved it so much. I yeah, in high school, I like that was like my takeaway from Born This Way was that song, whereas everyone else was like into the Born This. Way. I don't like stadiums. I don't feel safe, and that's not like a bomb totally. threat thing. I'm just like, there's so many people here. The worst part of any concert is when you're leaving and you're shuffling out with everybody, and you're kind of like, why did I even decide to come to this? Like, I could have had the best time of my life, and the second we're walking out, I'm like, I regret everything. I regret being stadium there. shows are, I mean, truly hell on earth. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was the reality of the Boy Genius situation. We tried to get Boy Genius tickets, but we couldn't because we're not the one percent yet. And so we that was a sad day for the for wealth distribution in America. Like, you know, I, I, I got tickets to that show for my birthday. <laughs> no. no, no, for my birthday, I didn't have to pay for them. And then I had to sell them because I had to do something comedy related. I literally thought you were gonna be like because I had like the the Christmas story where she cuts her hair and he gets it's like because I had to make rent. My birthday. Yeah, I'm my f- I'm hoping that we can still and if any boys at home, if you have any connects to the Boy Genius concert at Madison Square Garden, we have to go. I'll be so sad. Well, if it's they also come great brand them. synergy. Boys Club, Boy Genius. We should hit them up. We would love to go. I'll, I'll ask. Boy Genius, girls. if you're listening. <laughs> Wait. Also, like I know I said I don't feel safe in a stadium, but I'd feel safe in that stadium. I would love sad, to go. Queer people. I'll be so upset if they come to Madison Square Garden and we don't get to go. See, <sighs> I love when people like differentiate the stadiums, and I'm like, Barclay, Madison Square Garden, <laughs> the MetLife, but they're all the same. They're all the same. Well, Met. I think Berkeley's Madison Square Garden is one thing. MetLife is literally like it's you like are in the seventh gate of hell. Yeah. Like, th- you get out and you have to wait is for that three hours. Yeah, that's the one that's in New Jersey. That's where I saw Lady Gaga and I was like, wow, Slay, best night of my life. And then we got <laughs> out and legitimately, I think, waited two and a half hours for an Uber. No. No. God. Wait, have you ever been to that thing where they play tennis? U.S. Open? Yes, I've been to the U.S. Open many times. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually, tennis was one of my ideas for a boys club. Oh, wait. You can do as many as you want. Okay. Perfect we segue. always create from abundance like improv. Well, <laughs> well, I'll say I'm a big tennis fan. I haven't played since I was a kid and actually at one point tried to and tr- literally could not like reach the, like I was like swinging my racket around <laughs> like I was wearing a blindfold. <laughs> I, but I love watching tennis and I like, I'm a huge, I just like, it's the one sport I care about. Okay. Do you know who Taylor Fritz is? 
No. <laughs> Screw him. <laughs> I used to work in influencer marketing. Okay. And I worked on sports. Is Taylor Fritz a tennis player? I yeah. do have many blind spots, to be clear. <laughs> and he was hot. It's so still I, sports. <laughs> it is sports. It technically is sports. So, like, I ran sports influencers for this thing. Okay. So, it was, like, CrossFit. It was for RX Bar. Three almonds, seven egg whites. Of course. I, I, I'm a user. <laughs> I would have sent you them. I would have sent you them. I did get laid off not for performance. Okay. Um, and just, just like to a, be clear. Just, like, a whole Titanic thing. But we worked with, like a lot of like tennis players yeah and it was i just thought he was hot and then i threw thousands of dollars at him and i'm like these companies have no fucking idea i was the companies like have idea but they just throw money at hot people to hold their products that is kind of what they do well that is sort of yeah yeah and it's all we have really i i watched um i was on a plane watching the wimbledon women's final Mm -hmm. and that was emotional i got like to see her win at the end that was great oh it's always amazing to watch women win i had the great honor of going to a like a sort of restaurant event to watch that where they had like British finger sandwiches and like a whole thing of like pastries. And I was in heaven. I was like, I'm very skeptical of British culture for obvious reasons. And I really (laughs) do not understand people who like fetishize it or who care about the Royals or anything else. But when Wimbledon happens, I'm like, Oh, it was all worth it. <laughs> Wait, I'm going to take that and then I'm going to go too far with it. I Please. think it's good when we take down statues of the Confederate people, but I'm also like, should we take down the British ones? Because that was not, because that was also bad. Like, should yeah. Virginia be called Virginia? Should Elizabethtown be called Elizabethtown? Well, I mean, yeah, the idea that you can in any way sanitize American history and be like, okay, guys, only the good ones. <laughs> yeah. We'd, we'd have to go f- fresh start. Yeah. I mean, even Will- who's William, you know? <laughs> Probably bad. Probably a king or something. Yeah, I um, I also don't give a shit about the royals and don't understand people who do. Especially if you're not from the UK. I'm like, what does that have to do with us? It's, I do, there is a sort of meta way in which Harry and Meghan are fascinating just in how much they're flopping. Like, yeah. there's just something where you're like, you were given everything. Like, you are, you, and you just, you couldn't even produce a Netflix show? Yeah. Aziz Ansari has produced a Netflix <laughs> show. Yeah. Like, h- how can you not pull this off? No, it's I, honestly impressive how like much they've just absolutely fallen it's out of crazy. it. It's crazy. I mean, he came up with a book. Nobody yeah. cared about that except for the weird like anecdotes that came out on well, like, Twitter. Well, actually, the book was a huge bestseller. Oh, was it? <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the book was a huge bestseller, but Me- I mean, unfortunately, Megan is the flop. I hate to say it. I hate yeah. to be anti-woman, but she like was fired from Spotify. Like. Can you imagine not being able For to her do a podcast, podcast that yeah. Taylor Swift said she wouldn't do? Yeah. Wow. Is that it why? It just like wasn't like there. I even can't were on Spotify. I was right. going to say, I as podcasters, we know if, the barrier is low. Yeah. <laughs> or they like didn't renew the contract. And then someone from Spotify was quoted on like, I don't know, a deadline article or like one of the uh, trades as saying that she's, that they're grifters. I'm like, wait, say grifter in another way for people at home. <laughs> wait, Why? grifter oh just like someone who's like um who pulls a grift like like someone who's like tricks you into giving them money and then like bounces wait grift was in your definition of grifter pulls a grip like it's like some it's like doesn't like have any like real like substance just kind of like pops up with some business enterprise and then like like elizabeth holmes was a grifter like a a scammer let's say yeah okay i'm thinking of all the grifters i know in my head (laughs) yeah any mlm yeah. Person, probably. Dishonest. Speaking of yeah. men of war, that I guy, went, I definitely lived with a grifter. grifter in college. She moved to Arizona because she had. <laughs> this is huge for you. You're now <laughs> like, wow, it's all making sense. The now that I know the word. episodes grift. are going to have grifter. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye, Wicked. Yeah, Wicked tells a story of a grift. <laughs> Do you like Wicked? 
We can never bring Here's it up again. Here's the thing. I have n- I it really is a blind spot for me. I've never seen it and I do not know. I mean, I know that it's about like a witch, but I could not tell it's you. It's too late to see it. And I don't mean that in a negative way. Oh, I never brought this on the show. I saw Wicked. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. Well, I saw it for the first time in years. Like yeah. obviously I'd seen it. Does um, it hold up? No. Wow. They need to take it off for a bit. Go home. You didn't do enjoy a new it. book. Yeah, rewrite it. It's been there for 20 years. It's the same as seeing the Rockefeller Christmas tree. It's like no well, the, none of the jokes land. I mean, the movie oh. is gonna come out at some point and so there will be we're gonna be back in wicked fever like people are gonna be seeing it again on broadway i actually feel like i should see it now to like beat the crowds you should win the lottery i won the I lottery the, well i should talk to your boyfriend about today <laughs> <laughs> well, Dan, <my> name's... <laughs> <laughs> and i'm not gonna him. like it's not well, it's sorry holden if you're listening i'm, I'm a side are you anti-side culture okay also something you were talking about on the Natalie okay. episode. And I was actually, I made a note because I was like, I love, okay. Because people love to shit. You're like, oh, no, 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 no I don't sides. love to shit talk. Anyway, some of my best friends are sides. Um, Can you introduce me to that? <laughs> happily. Um, no, I, okay. Let me know if this is, if I'm just like behind the times because I'm not on TikTok or something. But I feel like people are talking about sides constantly now. What, was there a specific thing that made sides like enter the cultural conversation. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Boys club. I don't know. What do you think? I actually, I truly don't remember my first interaction with this word. My first interaction with this word is you. I, and I think maybe my only interaction with this word is you. Yeah. Someone introduced me to it. Sa- Sam Taggart introduced me to it. And I, I remember where I was, <laughs> <laughs> but then since then I've been hearing it everywhere. And it's also an option on grinder. Grindr, and that was like a whole media Maybe thing. That was what it was. I think that's what, that's yeah. when it entered the cultural lexicon. Yeah. And the most number of sides are in Australia. Wow. That's like a whole, like I research it. Probably I, because like, the women's world cups there right now. That, yeah. Well, what, sides are lesbians in my mind. And that's part of the, yeah. Well, of it's lesbians. the lesbian of gay men. Yeah. It's just kind of like, cause when you describe besides, sex i'm like well that's just lesbian sex so right it's like non yeah it is yeah you are it actually makes sense that you are so close to so many lesbians you yeah, want to be one <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like in another life lesbian well, I mean, aspiring like dyke is an, an increasingly expansive every day, term. let me tell you yeah you know what's interesting mm, okay i don't want to overshare <laughs> on a comedy podcast god forbid <laughs> but i almost feel the opposite where i'm like I wish I was as complex as a lesbian or as complex as a side and could have the imagination to really make it work without penetration. And yet there is something about my outlook towards sex that's like, all right, let's do the thing. Yeah. <laughs> George, when people are like, are like, I think they worry that I'm a side, I'm going to be like, don't worry, you won't need anal. When you're with me, you won't fucking need it. <laughs> but, that, but that's the thing. I think it's such a flex, if you will, to be like, Oh yeah, when we're done, you're not gonna have the energy for anything else. Yeah, I mean, and that's and here's the thing: I do all the other things. Like, it is my job to not have to have anal sex. It's like if we can beat the <laughs> clock, if we can beat the bell, then we won't have to. Totally. So yeah. if you can just kind of be top of your class and all these other things, then you won't. But you're the one who told me because I used to, I think, apologize for being a side. They'd be like, "Are you a top or a bottom?" I'd be like, "Well, I'm a side." And you're like, "Connor, no." And you were right. You're like, "Say, you know, anal doesn't really do it for me like that." So you told me to code switch, actually. Which is, <laughs> I didn't say yeah. to say it like that, but yeah, I said, you gotta you, you gotta be really masculine. <laughs> you know, you just you have to be confident really and me. be like, yeah, that's just like not my thing. And yeah. then you can't argue with that. And if anybody does, that's fucked up. Yeah, that's sort of the thing with sex across the with sex preferences across the board is like if you're confident, then the other person will feel like, oh, okay, I have to step it up. Like this, this yes. is normal. Yeah, and I have what to you're step describing is gaslighting. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, but then if you're apologetic, you can say the most quote unquote normal or like mainstream thing. But if you're apologetic 
photographer like oh my god if it's okay like I could lay on my back and we could do missionary if that's not too Completely. weird. Like then suddenly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then suddenly people will be like, okay. <laughs> Wait, and this is true for actually everything in the fucking yeah, world. Yeah, no, you have to, you know, you can't apologize. You have to read Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg and internalize <laughs> all. That's actually about size. Sheryl Sandberg is one of the most famous sides. So when you said, where did it start? It started with Sheryl Sandberg. Yeah. yeah. Bringing sides into the conversation. Time. We were talking about tennis though. As one right, of tennis. Um, I love the US I was Open. like, I'm obsessed with tennis. And you were like, do you know this famous tennis player? I was like, nope. <laughs> um, no, I really go in and out. There will be like entire years where I am not following it, but then I'll get really into it. This was the first Wimbledon where I was unemployed. And so, and Wimbledon, if you're on New York time, starts at like 9 a.m. And I had the time of my life just knowing that I could wake up and with my coffee watch five hours of tennis. Yes, yes. Yeah. There is nothing better than when sports are on English time. Uh, yep. It is the best because I watch a lot of like English soccer. Mm-hmm. And so throughout the entire Premier League season, like the game started like nine, ten, yeah. noon is like the big headlining game. And it's the best. Like you get to just watch. You're not doing anything else on a Saturday totally. morning at nine. Like I love it. But right now, the Women's World Cup is in Australia and New Zealand. And the games are like three in the morning, six in the morning. That's tough. That's why I can't brutal. do the Australian Open. It's going to be pretty brutal. Yeah. yeah. There are too many Opens. There's four Grand Slams. Can you name them? Australia. Yeah. New Zealand. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that of the four, two would be <laughs> in Oceana? <laughs> in Oceana. I went to an always Catholic high school, George. Where are you from? Wait, I know this. Philly. Yes, how can you tell? Um, it was mentioned in the Natalie episode. <laughs> oh my god! Wait, do the boys at home think we mentioned four things? No, no, no Philly. I asked you. You didn't. You didn't. Like Where are you? Oh, you're from Boston. I'm from. No, I'm not. I'm actually. So I mostly grew up in Greece, but I don't have an accent because we lived in the States for like seven formative years when I was a kid. It's I'm the only one in my family who's like American passing or I shouldn't say that my, my, my sister is also American passing, but like I'm the most American of the use of the word formative there tells such a story. Yeah. Well, it was second grade through eighth grade, which are very formative. Years. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I was in Greece before that. And after that, and like I went to a Greek speaking high school, like my family is still there. My youngest sister was so young when we moved back that, like, she barely has memories of America. You know, it's like everyone else is very, you know, lived in Greece for the vast majority of their life. And for me, it was sort of like 50-50. Yeah. Yeah, second to eighth grade is like... It's a big chunk. Yeah, that's a lot of... Yeah, I mean, that's when you're learning all of your social skills. and. But then high school is also very formative and also is like when I realized I was gay, blah, blah, blah. And all that was in Greece in a Greek-speaking high school. So That's that's tough. (laughs) Was that a good place (laughs) to be gay? Is that a dumb question? You know, it's funny. It's not a dumb question. It's actually a very good question. Um, I shouldn't have apologized for the question, though, because we just talked about how... You you are being such a side right now, but (laughs) I would have fucking... No, was that a good place to be gay? Okay, and actually, I'm not going to step up and answer. Um, it was Greece's. So there has been a lot of progress since I graduated high school to the point where, in fact, a couple of weeks ago, the prime minister announced they were going to that he wanted to legalize same-sex marriage, which is something that like would never be even in the conversation. It's very Christian. Yeah, that's awesome. No, it's not. Well, it's tough. I mean, it is Greek Orthodox, which is christian but they don't have hang-ups about like abortion like it's it's not it, it's not catholic no offense to anyone who is <laughs> um it's not so much that it's religious it's that there's this sort of way that homosexuality is brushed under the rug in a weird way like it's not even that there is violent homophobia it's just people will be like one time my mom for instance and i've said i've said this story before but one time my mom 
was like, oh my God, George, so exciting. Three gay men are running for mayor of Athens. And I was like, oh, are they out? And she was like, well, no, but everyone knows. <laughs> I was like, what? It, that That's like the perfect encapsulation of how Greek people like oh, fascinating. deal with homosexuality. It's like everyone, everyone has that one uncle and like blah, blah, blah. And they like know that it exists, but it just wasn't out in the open. And I think what has happened since I've graduated high school in those like however many years is that because of globalization, because of pop culture, because of like just, you know, millennial and Gen Z people growing up, it now is way more sort of traditionally accepted. Mm-hmm. But when I was in high school, I was not out. But again, not because I was afraid of violent homophobia, just because I was like, there is no blueprint for this. I don't know anyone who's yeah. out. It's not, there wouldn't be anything equivalent to like, I mean, in American high school, you'd have like a gay straight alliance. Like there was nothing <laughs> like that. Like yeah. there, it, the, it just wasn't a thing. Which is also, anyway. and I wonder if, like, I feel like so much of, like, and I don't know how much, like, current, the state of Greece, like, cares about ancient Greek history or how much a that lot. is. It, it is, yeah. okay. Because <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of homoeroticism in, in ancient Greece. Totally. It's pretty prevalent. Even when you're studying in school, you're kind of like, okay, that's... Yeah. We all know what's happening there, right? And a lot of homoeroticism. Yeah. yeah. But then again, that's another great example of, like, brushing it under the rug. Right. Like, they really... I mean, you learn about ancient Greece so much in school. It's like, because it really is such a huge part of Greek history. And it's like the last time Greece was on top. I mean, (laughs) Greece has been not like one of the main superpowers in many millennia. (laughs) And so, but they refuse to deal with that part of their history. So it'll Mm -hmm. be like, yes, these are um, ecosystems of like mentorship and this is how teaching worked and blah, blah, blah. And yes, everyone was naked in the Olympics because they were appreciating the athletic male form. Anyway. (laughs) Very appreciative of it, I'm sure. (laughs) So, yeah. yeah. I feel like also there's like some sort of like, there's like a casualness to it back then that was like, because it was probably really accepted. Yeah. And and I I mean, who's to say how much they like talked about it, but I'm sure Mm -hmm. it wasn't facing, like there's no reckoning with like the, you know, centuries of then oppression towards queer people and like right. ca- so th- i wonder if they continue to have like sort of like a casual like like you were saying with your mom it's like oh well like everybody knows but like we're not talking totally about it no i do think it's like deeply rooted denial about homosexuality is like deeply rooted in greek history <laughs> <laughs> wait this is so dark because i didn't use the word blueprint but that is what made being gay actually very scary scary and this is representation. We oh, it always comes back to queer representation. <laughs> Every <laughs> always, it's so important. <laughs> but it's like there's no blueprint, and that is what made it fearful. Is you're like, it's fine now. What does this look like when we're forty? Yeah, and that's why it's like, well, I just want to be a movie star because it's like there was something about being a movie star that's <laughs> like it's a non-issue. Like there, then it, it would just like solve everything because like I didn't know gay people that were just kind of like worked in tech. Well, I feel like that's like something I've been thinking about a lot recently with like, I don't know, just like you're saying, there's no sense of like what a mainstream quote, normal version of gay life. I mean, there is now, but like speaking for myself for like trans guys or something, Mm -hmm. but there is something to like being like a high achiever and like being, you know, a a public facing person who does arts or whatever that there's like, well, I'll be in a category of my own in this other way. And then I don't even have to think about this identity part of me at all because I'm so separate anyway. Did you guys see take me out on Broadway? Mm-mm. No. Um, do you know what it is? Mm-mm. It was the baseball play where Jesse Williams took his cock out and then there were like viral photos. Right. Of it. Right. Oh I remember hearing about so that. So I went with my mom. <laughs> but um, and she loved it. But uh, there was a scene in that where so he comes out as gay. That's like the 
it's like he's the first major league baseball player to come out as gay. I think I can't remember if it's a true story or it's not a true story, but I can't remember if the baseball player is like a real person or not. Anyway, but one thing he said, he's like so cocky and he's like the best player and blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, I'm not gay. I'm like the best baseball. Like, it's like, I'm not gay. I'm a baseball player. Like to me, I am so successful and so um, famous and so talented that you the I, the fact of me being gay could never compete with any of those other identities, mm. basically, and that's sort of like what you guys are talking about. Yeah, no, totally. It's like the only way to be gay is to be famous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is truly, which is actually like a, an incredible point. No, it yeah. literally was. I was like, okay, I see Ross Matthews, and that's it. On Chelsea lately, there were like no other gay people. The guys on Queer Eye. Yeah. Apparently, my grandfather. I don't know. <laughs> Apparently, I don't know. But like, was it confirmed that he was gay, or was just he was just at the I wedding? Don't know. No, I don't think he was gay because he was married to my grandma. Like he was at the wedding. Yeah, I, he couldn't have been gay. He was married to a woman. <laughs> <laughs> I think like even going In to the a fire. Fifties. It was right. so like I wouldn't have even heard of a gay wedding. Like even like we that was just not a thing. And the only like I grew up at a time where I'm slightly older than you. So like it was marriage was very much um maybe like trans rights now, where it felt like gay marriage was like one of the leading issues yeah that like people like really ran on and to me i I remember when i was a kid i would remember every single time someone like liked mitt romney they'd like mitt romney on facebook and i'd be like that person probably does not like gay people because it was hard to separate like gay marriage from like that party it was like a huge part of their platform well it was just like yeah it was like the main social i mean it's i was about to be like you know before that it was abortion obviously unfortunately now we're like back to abortion being on the ballot but like it was in the same way that abortion was a huge issue before Roe v. Wade, mm. gay marriage was like the central issue in like the 90s and 2000s, basically. Mm-hmm. And yeah. That was like the social issue that divided people into social liberals and social conservatives, basically. Mm, should we ask our... Have we talked about tennis? What's what? a boys club that you're a part of? Okay. No, not a part of. Or a part of. What's uh, a boys I'm club? I'm a part of. Well, okay. I The one that I was thinking of is um, STEM and like engineering. You are in that or you're not? Well, it's complicated. I was, and I feel like I escaped. Oh, cool. So I grew up in an, in a really, like, I would say STEM and engineering were the closest thing my family had to, like, a religion. Like, both my parents, it, it, for both my parents, it was, the, it was their way into a better life. Like, both my parents got scholarships to do PhDs in engineering in America from Greece. Like, that was, Ooh. like, there. it was very much, like, it opened their what's the word horizons yeah <laughs> it expanded their horizons like it was really like it w- it was just like the magic ticket um and then they met dur- in an engineering phd program uh my growing up it was very much like okay your first degree obviously has to be engineering and then after that if you want you can go to law school like <laughs> it's like after that you can you can do whatever like an engineering engineering degree is just like a great background to have and you can do like whatever you want with that but it's just nice to have that in your back pocket <laughs> one time i remember my mom being like basically basically saying to me that she never really liked engineering but she felt like it was the right thing to do and so she was talking to me about it and she was like i mean yeah i didn't like it but of course i did my phd and then i like <laughs> did what i wanted i was like i can't imagine it's such a different mindset of like for however long a PhD takes, like five, six years, doing one of the most difficult things a human mind can do, get an engineering PhD, because you just think it's a good thing to have (laughs) in your back pocket and you have no desire to like actually go into the field. And then my sister studied, I had two sisters, one of them studied engineering in college, one of them is in medical school, so they're both, I mean, medicine, one could argue is in the umbrella of STEM. 
I went to an engineering heavy university and then my big rebellion was that I did an interdisciplinary degree that was half computer science, half social sciences and humanities. And it was like, wow, he must be an avant-garde artist. <laughs> like he did a <laughs> degree. Did you school. Did you say this already? No, I went, well, I went to Stanford, which is like literally like where people go to get like computer science degrees. Yes. Um, and so I did this degree called symbolic systems that was computer science plus philosophy, psychology, and linguistics. And that was like my little rebellion of like, I'm also doing these classes. That's why you were in San Francisco when you That's were That's why I was in San Francisco. March. That sounds really cool, though. Um, like, it was actually a very... I, there is a part of me that, like, even now that I have fully abandoned that part of my, like, academic background, I'm really grateful that I yeah. was forced to at least grapple with v- viewing the world a certain way and thinking a certain way, because I think it just, like, helps you day to day. But, yeah, it was, like... I would say from graduating high school on... It was a process of slowly letting go of the idea of a STEM life and career. Like it was like first I did a degree that was only half STEM. Then I worked at a tech company, but in the comms department, not in the engineering department. Then I like and and finally I I feel like only recently have I just been like, yeah, I am a writer, and it yeah. is okay <laughs> that yeah. I am not an engineer. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like, shit. That's but hard. thank God for that degree in your back pocket. True. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, ultimately, I'm like, there are times when I'm like, when comedy is not going well, I'm like, well, I do have that Bachelor of Science <laughs> in my back pocket. Uh, I love how they phrase getting a PhD in engineering. It's truly. Just, like, There's just something to have on the resume. I mean, it's it really. Like, it's so hard to get. <laughs> it, it's so hard to get. It's also, you know, m- my sister, not the one who's in medical school, the other one started an engineering PhD and ended up um, leaving it. And she was like, this is hell. I mean, it is it yeah. is so isolating. Even And she was very good at it. But even if you're good at it, it is one of the most isolating experiences to basically just be like drowning in like reading academic papers, doing research that could potentially take like years and then not go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, or maybe you'll, you'll do something, but it's not what's trendy and getting funding right now. So you're just wasting five years of your life. Yeah. Oh, uh, my <laughs> divorce. When you were talking about no divorce, I like, <laughs> felt really electric when I said my divorce. You're a divorce. <laughs> my divorce. I feel like You'd I, be a chic divorcee. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> uh, the, the hottest words are fiance and divorcing. Agreed. It starts and ends True. in dust. Um, I, you're like divorced from the expectation. Totally. I feel like I had that just not with STEM. It was with like a nine to five mm-hmm. marketing world where so I graduated college and then I did Teacher America, which I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. But I, that to me was very this like stable thing and like it made my yeah. family was like, oh, this is cool that he's doing this. And then I was like, okay, I don't really want to do this. I'm going to be crazy and work in social media marketing. But that was still very like, yes, marketing. Very vomit artist. Yes. <laughs> and then and then I was like doing Pilates instruction on the side and then I became full-time in that, which was like a huge leaping off point, but I was still full-time. So I was like, this is a job I have insurance. And then like, slowly breaking up with that and then going part-time in that. And it's been like this slow, like little, li- little by little, like letting go of each thing. I also hung on to having a full-time day job for too long. Yeah. Like I, I, it only recently have I become okay with just being like, it might not feel stable, but ultimately I end up cobbling together enough, like having enough like work that I'm fine. Like I've never yeah. had to, you know, ask my parents for money or so, you know, it's like at, at some point you just realize you just have to have enough faith that like it will come. Yeah. yeah. It's so, um, it is really stressful though. Like I, I had a job out of college. I worked at a law firm for two years as a paralegal, a horrible job. And I, 
like because I also was like I just want to move to New York like I know I want to do writing and comedy but I don't know how to do that so I'm just going to get a job that'll get mm-hmm. me up there and then the pandemic hit and obviously like whatever all hell broke loose and then when I came back I was like I have to do something that is yeah. not in an office for an unnamed amount of time because like that kind of job like they could just be like sorry you're staying till midnight tonight and at 5 p.m. and you just like have to um and it did feel like a huge jump to be like, I'm going to be a soccer coach part-time and like fingers crossed everything goes well because that's like a very loose interpretation of a job. Like it's not, there's not a lot of hours, not a lot of like yes. things tying you down. And it is like so freeing, but it's also like you're really taking a jump into the unknown to be like, well, hopefully the rest of this works out. Yeah. Have you seen Wild Rose? Or Wild Gypsy. Okay. I don't know. We can say Gypsy. <laughs> like Bette Midler? With, um, no. With Jesse Buckley. That oh, movie sorry. I was just thinking of Gypsy. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that is wherever we sure, go. Sure, sure, sure. Um, Wild Rose, where, Je- where Jesse Buckley plays a country singer in Glasgow. Oh, you know what? I saw the trailer for that. Jesse Buckley. You only what? needed to see the trailer. What is Jesse Buckley's deal? I only know her from that movie, and I never saw women talking. Well... But my glabber said that I think I should. So women talking is fine, but she also—they were like really pushing her, and she always has the weirdest hair. <laughs> she, wait, <laughs> wait, but she also in this movie has crazy hair. But this movie made me quit my job because it's about her leaving Glasgow right, right, right. in, in over Scotland to come. I think to come to Nashville to be a country singer. Wow! And I was like, oh my god, you've got to go, you've got to yeah. go. And then I like literally that was around the time that I was like, okay, I'm done working in marketing. I mean, there, yeah, there is just something about like being afraid of taking the plunge where you just have to be like, okay, well quite literally this is your one life. Yeah. yeah. So good luck not doing the thing you want to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like no offense. We will die. We're going to die. Like it literally <laughs> yeah. ends in dust. And, and yeah. look at Jesse Buckley. She's in cabaret in London <laughs> with Eddie Redmayne. That's my favorite musical wow. in the world. Wait, what was that? Oh, oh, like I feel like I, have you ever meet people like in the comedy scene that like just graduated and like knew to move here and like get a, day job so that they could be doing things full-time you're like how did you know to do that like i didn't have the confidence at 22 when i grad or 21 or whatever i was when i graduated to be like i'm just gonna go up there and i'm gonna get a job as like a barista or like sure. a soccer like i did no. not have the confidence yet. i taught high school yeah for a year well a lot of those people are not are getting help for sure for sure <laughs> like that's the secret with all of- it's funny after so many years of living in new york i still would just like see someone living in like a beautiful apartment and truly think earnestly to myself what is the secret like, <laughs> what no, where could this money possibly and it's like yeah family like it, yeah. it's just like you learn it over and over I and over know. again but then because everyone is dishonest about it you're like well, it can't be that. They yeah. were not said something. <laughs> George, I had filler in my upper lip. We're very open. We're like, we did you these did? things. Why does no one believe me? Yeah. Because it looks natural. That's a good thing. When did you do that? I don't know, but I think long enough ago that it's time to do it again. It was about three months ago. What month? Oh, yeah. so recently. It's probably May. Well, yeah. Don't you think? Well, your body metabolizes it. People love well, to say it doesn't. Well, you don't look like you have like super poofy, like, you know, Kylie Jenner lips. Well, I'm going back. But that is the that is the missing link with a lot of those people. Is <laughs> yes, that, they and also the other missing link is they went to either NYU or Harvard, yes. where like there is a rich. Because sometimes, okay, I, mm, I'm not gonna come off well with what I'm about to say, but I recognize that I went to like a very like elite university. However, when it comes to the entertainment industry, it helped me zero percent. Yeah, like, there is something about specifically NYU and Harvard where it's like, oh. Imagine going to college somewhere where, like, you knew someone that was a year above you that, like, then got a writing job or something. Yeah. Like, that would – and th- that that is, like, such a 
completely unrelated experience to the one absolutely I, I feel that like i you know i worked in a law firm in new york for like a yeah. little while and like that's a pretty prominent you know high intellect industry yeah. and like you i you know there was a couple people that went to cornell or wherever you know like ivy league schools i have not met as many ivy league people as i have doing comedy yeah there are so many people in this industry that are, are like you know went to every and you're like oh, and once again, for comedy specifically, NYU counts as Ivy League. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and it's so true because yeah. it's like I was really interested in comedy in, in college and I did like yeah, our yeah, sketch yeah. group on campus. But there was like one alumni super distant 10 years ahead of us who like was a writer for SNL for a while and stuff. And it was like, oh, she did a great job. But like it wasn't like anybody I knew mm -hmm. or like could connect with or like saw go do something. It was like, oh, that's how you get into this. I had no idea how to start. And it's such a leg up if you go to any of those. Although I will say... Having met so many people who, like, got a job right out of college and just, like, have had a stable career in television or comedy or whatever, you do have fewer things to actually express if that's totally, been your whole life. Totally, like, I used to feel this way so much when I felt insecure about having a day job or, like, you know, doing other things for money. It's like, yeah, it sucks to then have less time to do what you want to do. But it also gives you literally any something to talk about and something to write about. A hundred percent. Yeah, I feel, we were talking about that with Moss Paracone because he was saying like he studied TV and film mm -hmm. in college, and then he was like, "But I wish going back, I studied like history or literature or anything because like that's like like who everybody else can just learn TV writing on the job. Yeah. Like you just learn it on the job. You learn it, you figure it out, and like you don't really. I'm sure it helped to some degree, and then I'm sure you got like some structure. But like any scripts I would have written in a college TV writing class, I would burn. I don't think I would show that to anybody. My writing was horrible then. Well, this is where my STEM indoctrination comes out, where I'm like, I'm sorry, you studied TV writing in college? That's not a real science. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, as much as I've escaped it, I'm still like. You gotta have it in your back pocket. <laughs> have that engineering degree in your back pocket. Like, can you imagine being twenty years old in a college room, being like, this, "So this is final draft," and like, no, yeah. that's not what we were doing. I took one digital media convergence class where they're like, "This is how you edit a video," and I was like, "I'm I quit," and I, I switched to English literature. It also just does feel like it's like, well, we're paying so much money to go to this place. Like, you don't be learning something you could teach yourself. Yes, one hundred percent. Yeah. Should we teach kids script? writing is that what we're <laughs> supposed to do if, if the industry still exists by the time kids are here yeah gotcha. it will exist but only for kids who could afford to learn script writing when they were like <laughs> five years old and they all went to st anne's and were like in script writing 101 yeah taught by like jemima kirk <laughs> oh my god is st anne's the gossip girl school no, St. Anne's is the school that Lena Dunham went to that's like artsy and has no grades and is in Brooklyn Heights. Montessori for life. Very Wait, much so. I think Peter Drinklage's kids go there. I would not be surprised. I've seen Peter Starsgard drop his kids off there. Like it's a lot of, a lot of Wait, celebrity kids go there. is he the one? He's Maggie the Maggie Hall's husband. Oh, I was thinking about her earlier. He's not gay, right? But okay. Fine. No, he's not. And he loves his wife. Do you know what I mean? Like, like maybe like, well, he has a sort of, he is what my friend Kylie used to call, not used to, she's still alive, <laughs> called um, slut face, which is like when a man has a slutty face. Like yes. Ray Liotta, Mary rest in peace, had slut face, mm -hmm. I would say. Or like, honestly, Killian Murphy Shout out to Oppenheimer also has it. Like, just a sort of slutty face. I feel like Peter Skarsgård, he's been, like, kind of under the surface of this whole episode. Because, like, earlier <laughs> I was thinking about Maggie Gyllenhaal. We talked about how people have rats in their apartments. He's and I was been like, in the room with us this whole time. <laughs> yes. My favorite, because they had that Architectural Digest video where Maggie, they have five bedrooms. Maggie Gyllenhaal said, we have two extra bedrooms. So if there's a crisis, two people can stay with us. And I was like, Maggie, if there's a crisis, 
a hundred people can stay with you. A hundred people. Yeah. She's like, we can fit in maybe one. Like, the other one's the office. We're trying to be comfortable in a crisis. Yeah. Okay. So even in Hollywood, even the grounded people are like a little crazy. And like, but not, she's The idea not that she's I'm sorry, but the idea that Maggie Gyllenhaal and Peter Skarsgård are the ground <laughs> is <laughs> an insane position. I love... Did you see an education with Carrie To be Mulligan? clear, I love Maggie Gyllenhaal. No, 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 we do. And I love an education. Wait, like the Dark Knight Rises or whatever when she... Spoiler alert, she dies. I When she died, I was like... And I was like gay and a teenager. I was like, I don't want to watch it anymore. I was like, she was the movie. Yeah, yeah, the whole yeah no. Maggie movie. Gyllenhaal is like a true talent in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, she's However, incredible. she is... She just like... I feel like she and Peter Sarsgaard are like the quintessential br- rich Brooklyn artsy couple. Um, yeah. You know, sort of out of touch in that very specific way, which is slightly different than the Hollywood way. But I wouldn't call them necessarily grounded. In fact, okay, Bobby Cannavale, who I mentioned earlier before recording, and Rose Byrne, who's his wife, I feel like maybe She was they... in Mistress America. Go on. Rose Byrne? Swear to God. I don't Swear remember that. God, you got to rewatch it. You but I feel my like they are... In. I think of them as like... Ground, more ground. They're together. Yeah, that's they must have crazy. I'm trying. I know. I'm trying to think of normalish seeming celebrities. Who was I thinking of? Reese Witherspoon for sure. <laughs> no, but yes. you know who I think would be normal in the way that she's so wacky. We want Reese to invest. Is Drew Barrymore? Oh yeah, like she's yeah, so yeah. wild that she's like. Well, that's why Z-Way <laughs> kind of couldn't like that interview was so funny to me because I was like, you can't like Drew's. Uh, you can't like you un- can't pin her down. She, yeah, she's like too. <laughs> wacky even for that like she was too i could watch her all day long i'm obsessed every facial expression she makes i know she's always giving it well i was thinking about that tinks video there's this video of tinks where i went to college with no a small business owner a small business owner that's fat she's from stanford she talk about a grifter (laughs) i need to stop i keep talking about tinks on podcasts and i I, we never met in college and i'm and honestly if we had maybe we would have been friends but or writing partners. I am like shocked at like, <laughs> it, you know how certain things in our sort of influencer economy you watch and you're like, this actually makes me want to like move to the woods. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, the appeal of Tinks is such a mystery to me. And also, my favorite thing she ever did was about a year or two ago, there were these old tweets that came out. Do you remember this? And it was like no. she was like calling someone fat and like mm. call and like making fun of some celebrity, whatever. And so she apologized. She apologized for a bunch of them, and she was like, I was, you know, I was like, it was a different time, like, whatever. It was a very heartfelt apology. But then certain tweets in this mix of problematic, quote-unquote, tweets were tweets from 2020 where she was openly supporting Boris Johnson. What? And so, and those are the ones she didn't apologize for. I was like, okay, so what an insane world we live in where (laughs) it's like... Wait, she, why did she have an opinion on Boris? I was gonna Johnson? say, girl, so don't she even put like your hat partly in that grew ring. up. <laughs> she like partly grew up in London or something. I think Thank she. You. International. She's just like me, international, <laughs> fake international, American passing, but international. Um, so she would like. She had these tweets that were like, "Yes, my king, go off, Boris Johnson." It was like earnest, and the, and those were not addressed. She was like, "I'm so sorry for fat shaming Adele," but oh my god, end of end of statement. That's gonna be me and Nancy <laughs> like, Pelosi. Wow. They're gonna be like, "He's with Nancy Pelosi," and, and no we're one not talks about, about it. it. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> Is her name Christina? It doesn't matter. I think it's um. I think it's Christine. I feel like I'm making remember. small talk on a podcast. Yeah. Let's get to the heart of it. <laughs> Tinks, though, I Tinks. know why Tinks is big. Okay. Tinks is big because these straight girls. I was gonna say she huge with your Pilates girlies. 
Yeah, and me. Like, because I thought about her on the dating show because remember how she says, do you're, you're so obsessed with getting this man to want you. Do you even want him? And when I was sitting there winning this show, I was like, I don't even want to go on. I don't want to go on a date with this man. I have a hard out. You know what I mean? <laughs> I got to go tell jokes in the back of a dive bar, alligator lounge. So like, <laughs> you re- but there's these straight girls that I think are like literally are just trying to win men all the time. Yeah. It's and a, yeah, it's every time I hear and get a little window into straight culture, I'm so happy to not be a part of that. Wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Yeah, one of my straight friends introduced me to Tinks. Aren't you in a straight relationship? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't characterize it as such. Uh, okay, sorry. I should. But I. Yes. But male I. Male identified. Yes. Female identified. Or sorry, not to be binary, but. Yes, okay. but like on the, it's funny because we do run into this a lot. Where yeah. like on the outside we look like we were laughing the other sure. day thinking about because we wanted to maybe go to Ginger's to watch the U.S. Women's National Team the other day, and she was like. You're gonna seem like the most intense straight man in yeah. this dyke bar, being like screaming about totally. these because I'm like I, I love my girls, but um, yeah. So we like run into that all the time where we like are like being perceived as such, and then we're just like yeah. we couldn't feel further from. I mean, like I would consider it at the very least a queer relationship, yeah. and at and a lot of the time it feels very much like a dyke relationship to me, but. Um, it's complicated, and I think there's a lot of trans guys who feel all kinds of way about that. So. I think some trans guys do feel like they're in straight relationships. Totally. But for me personally, that's not how it feels. Because whenever I see like the way that straight people interact, I'm like, I could I just like would never that just feels so foreign to me. Yeah. The way they talk to each other. It is who was saying this? I think um I so someone was saying that like one funny thing about straight people is how they think that just by virtue of like just by virtue of talking to one another, they are finding commonality. Like, it's like, isn't it crazy <laughs> that I'm talking and you're also talking? Like, the, 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 the standard, like, the bar is so low yeah. that they're like, wait, we keep going back and forth. <laughs> they could be just making small talk and they're like, we have so much in common. Yeah. Wait, I'd be married so fast. If I were straight, I'd be married so fast. And that is so sad that I'm not straight. Have you guys ever seen, Maddie actually just showed me this the other day, there's like an old college humor sketch from, I don't know, maybe like 2012, like kind of like way ahead of its time, and it was like about like, it was all these gay men, they're like, fine, if you don't want to legalize gay marriage, we'll just marry your girlfriends, and like, we'll be way better at it, and it was, it's actually I like holds up pretty that. well, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I think um, uh, Brian Jordan Alvarez is in it, I think, who's very funny on, mm-hmm. on social media and stuff, and anyway, um, it made me think of that, I was like, yeah, you would, you would scoop somebody up, no problem, because you can talk to girls all day long. <laughs> I know. I hate. I think I can even talk to gay men all day long. But then I'll be like, I'll get in my head. And I'll be like, Do I see myself kind of, kind of on vacation with this man in twenty eight years, talking about our grandkids? And I'm like, I don't know. And it's like, Well, you've met him two times. Maybe yeah. just keep going. He's a doctor, so you just have to like, keep going. <laughs> I on the prize. He's in Sorry to immediately call you up, but to be like fact checking. Like, wait, aren't you in a straight relationship? Like <laughs> no, immediately it's all good. as you were trying to describe relationship, I was like, wrong. <laughs> no, you have to. So no, it's, it's all good. good. Intruder. People never, people never call call us on our shit. Um, no, it's all good. Um, it is an interesting thing though because it's like it's it's one of those part aspects of like I was thinking about this the other day because I, I was I came across a new term for like a trans masculine person that I had I had never even seen before and I'm like I'm in the trenches like I'm, I'm yeah. living this every day never heard this word before demi boy I had never like heard demi that boy. which is basically just another way to say trans masculine it's somebody who like identifies as part of male identity but not all of it and it's like yeah join the club like so much of it sucks like why would you it's hard to identify with all of it i'm sure even like cis men feel that way but it it, like is one of those things where you're like there's so many terms there's so many 
identities now. There's so many things, and it feels like there's also this other like current of like label like they were just like they're getting so broad and so big and then also so niche that it all feels like it's just going to implode at some point so it does kind of feel like it's like kind of like straight yeah, i don't know it doesn't matter i know I, well that's the thing not to state the complete obvious <laughs> but it's like that is the thing with labels is that they are inherently limiting obviously yeah. so then but then people's reaction is creating new ones mm-hmm. which then only makes the politics of all of it more complicated right I mean, it's like the controversy of like people being like, I'm not bisexual, I'm pansexual because I'm not transphobic. And then the bisexual people are like, we never said we were transphobic. Right, right, like, right yeah. Like it's, it, it's, but I guess that's sort of just the queer experience is like people arguing about labels basically and it's forever. Like we have too much other shit to worry about. Like we can't be yeah. getting so lost in the sauce with this stuff. Know, it's like everybody's fine. Identify however the fuck you want. I don't care. It's yeah. just like, the, yeah, the internal politics of it are just like, but it really is in the grand like this has been happening for so long that you actually feel like you feel like you're part of a long lineage when you hear (laughs) people like arguing about queer identifiers yeah yeah people were doing this back when like someone was referred to as a cross-dresser like it's like this has this is a long history you know what i learned the other day that was a cool fun fact i was listening to this podcast where they were talking to a linguist and apparently the word dude used to be like to refer to effeminate men so I don't know if it was a slur oh, necessarily, but like like dude ranch came from like these guys who like were dressing in these like kind of interesting like get ups and hats yeah. ranching. And so and then like way back in the day, they would say like, oh, that's a dude. And then it's been like kind of morphed over time to mean, you know, like very colloquially. But I was like, that's interesting that it probably was like the original like gay slur. Totally. <laughs> I kind of thought that when you said the thing about steam. Yeah. Queerness is. And it's like, well, that's a different thing. And like with queerness, it's like uh, there's two parts. Oh, stem with an A in it. Yeah, we yes. were we were talking about that before we were recording. But I, oh, that was I, off. Pod. I was saying like, right? I, think I can't was, remember. I was like, p- people felt like STEM, science, technology, engineering, math was like too limiting. So then someone was like, we have to, we have to include art. So it's STEAM. And I was like, well, that's different. Yeah, like, that's not yeah. STEM. That's not STEM anymore. And yeah. like with queerness, I think in terms of like, like politically there's a benefit to viewing all these things as one and yeah. it's like hey we're all not we've talked about this we're all not that other thing we're all not the cis straight nuclear family but also like when we get into like queerness is it too limiting to be like this is like one rainbow it's one acronym it's one umbrella and it's like no there's so much nuance well that's here. also the pitfalls of sort of solidarity is like you you have to for for it to work everyone has to be on the same team and you yeah. have to be like I stand with someone who's X, Y, Z, whatever. And in fact, the broader the umbrella becomes, the more there are disagreements among people about what is quote unquote valid and what is not. Yeah. Yeah. Feels like sides are the first time in a while that gay men have really mixed it up. So I'm just going <laughs> to say, you're welcome. Yeah. Gay men, the first time gay men has made a mistake. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I might be a top. Don't tell anyone. I actually think I might be a top, just not mechanically. Wow. Wait, what does that mean? I really like, um, I like all the parts of a top. I just think that it is like, I think that I was raised as a bottom. Totally. Like, and by raised, I mean like 18, 19, obviously like it was started sex. I was a bottom. I was also drunk the whole time. So I was just like fell into this bottom role. Yeah. And then I'm like, I think I actually might be not that. Well, I feel like there's also so much placed on top and bottom that come with like the way you present yourself and the things you're interested in and just like the way you like socially present and like that gets tied to sexuality. You're talking about wicked. You're like wicked. Well, if I I talk about wicked enough, they'll be like, you're a bottom. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's like some assumptions that come with the personality type when it's like, I, I don't know when like sexual 
you know, inclination and personality got blended. And I'm sure for some people that works, but it's like you could be totally opposite in the bedroom than you are in like real life. That happens for probably a lot of people. Yeah. So I don't know why. I'm sorry that that I got placed yeah, on you. Yeah. Sometimes I forget <laughs> tops Thank exist you. because I'm like, but aren't we gay? <laughs> <laughs> no I offense know. to you. No, who, I've who never now been identified offended. as a top. You're gonna I be subverting be. the expectations. I'm a tide, like a little bit of both. I know. A tide, a top tide. <laughs> but like you can never just say that no you're, it's like it's, there's never because you're always a performing it's always yeah, a performance yeah, yeah. you can keep this it's always a fucking performance and like you're in it and you're like like and then when you're topping you're fucking in it so you're like fucking dying quite you're literally like, your chest is working <laughs> you're over it you're like fucking on and then you're like fuck where's the hole this kind of hurts now I'm maneuvering it around my nails are too long for this ow and then it's just like damn yeah and then it's like okay well like let's get this over with it faster in a different way so what I'm saying what I need is Maybe I'll go on Grinder and be like, I'm looking to workshop. I'm looking to workshop. I mean, it's funny. This is actually like sort of a taboo, I feel. Like, okay, basically, deciding you want to explore something sexually and then wanting to practice uh-huh. is like a universal experience. And yet you can't sort of say it out loud because uh-huh. then you sound like a loser. Because then you're right. like, well, I want to pra-, not to say that you sound like a loser, but it's like, I've, you know, you want to practice something and then, y- so you want to lead with like, listen, I'm new bear with me yeah. yeah but then you sound like you're inexperienced or you sound like you don't know what you're doing no, so totally. how do we fix that which George, is I think school right. yeah which is such a part of i feel like a lot of people's queer experience because you fig- like you don't get those like you know early adolescent 100%. experiences that a lot of people get you know and so you're figuring it out when you're in your 20s or later you know whenever you come out and it's like there's something so humiliating about being like i'm so past the point of a first kiss but i'm having one and i'm yeah. 22 and then like that feels crazy and like what do i do and, i like, feel like that part there's an inkling of that feeling that never goes like even now i'm like there's a part of me that's like what have i been i have what if i have been doing sex wrong this entire yes. time yes absolutely i know because you'll never live in someone else's body you'll never know i know and you can be like i i think you. i'm decent at this and i think that my and i know like now i'm in a relationship for a long time and my partner and i are like interested in each other and whatever but it's like if i started over fresh with somebody tomorrow like what if i'm actually horrible at this? totally it's i, know. I actually had an, that, okay i had an experience recently where i was kissing someone and it was not a good kiss but i couldn't my immediate instinct was like oh i have i have been kissing wrong my entire <laughs> life like and only now have i realized like it didn't even occur to me to be like maybe the other person's a bad kisser right right i was like okay so my life is a lie and everyone has just been humoring me you think that's a queerness <laughs> thing i think queer people always assume that they're in the wrong not to bring this all back to i mean they do but then again gay guy like sort of like assertive confident gay guys don't assume yeah. they're in the wrong yeah, you know yeah. what i mean like okay we the three of us moving forward are infallible. Okay. And I want us to remember that. <laughs> Hear that, boys at home? We Especially sexually. Infallible, yes. So sexually if anyone wants their world rocked <laughs> by a trio of top sides. <laughs> Wait, this is so crazy. Okay, I recently ghosted this guy because I pretended to be a top and then realized I wasn't going to seal the deal. So maybe, I don't know if we keep it wrong. I don't really care. So, and he was lovely. Went to school for music theater. Amazing. Wow, sounds incredible. <laughs> it was like, this is so he cool. Does, he doesn't have a STEM degree in his back pocket. Yeah, so. exactly. So good luck. <laughs> yes, and I hope was, today tickets hiring. <laughs> well, now he works in insurance, but he doesn't even like it. It's a whole yeah. thing. And I was like, God, you got to find something that you're happy about. Anyway, and then and it was like, but that thing's not going to be real. And then I kind of was like, wait, I literally, my whole New Year's resolution, as you know, is to not lie about being a top or bottom. That's my resolution, yeah. to be honest. And then I'm in this situation where I'm like, you know what? I have completely performed the role of top here without having penetrative sex and he thinks 
that, that that's what this dynamic is. And I can't be like, hey, I kind of misplayed my hand or pretended to be something. <laughs> so I'll never see you again. So I said I was really stressed <sighs> at work. What work? Okay. Yeah. No, you have to call him right now and tell him that you're a son. <laughs> no, I'll never see him again. <laughs> tell He's... him to call into the pod. I feel like that's the thing that's really like unique to gay men too because like I, I've, I don't even think that there's like sexual identifiers beyond like what your sexual identity let me rephrase. Like your sexual identity might be on a hinge profile for like in, for dykes, but there's not like top and bottom. I don't even think that's. I mean, I haven't been on dating Again, apps in a while. More but, nuanced, right? Like gay men are obs- basically they're in STEM <laughs> because they're obsessed <laughs> with top and bottom. Yeah, and I think there's some like for like specifically like for grinder and like hookup culture. I think there's some benefit to being like this is what I want and this is what I do totally. and let's meet at this place. That's great. But I think when it comes to relationships, there's not a lot of room for being like. I don't know. I mean, obviously, like, you want to have somebody you're sexually compatible with, but there's no room yeah. to, like, figure that out together because I feel like every sexual experience is so based in who you're fucking. Not I fucking. want someone you know to I disappear mean? with on a Saturday at 4 p.m. to the park and no one in the whole world knows where we are and maybe we're having sex and maybe we're not, but all we know is that the, the whole world melts away. Where do you write that on the grinder? What's that? <laughs> what position is that? A romantic? Is that the position? Well, now that Grinder's a public company, you can buy enough stock that maybe you can have the yeah, power to change it. Yeah, you have to it. change it from within. <laughs> Wait, but... And the time is running out. <laughs> so this man, before I won this game show, uh-huh. first time I've ever won, he was eliminating the, the guy next to me, who I kind of liked. And then, <laughs> <laughs> which is why the gay bachelor would never work, because I was like, we should unionize him. That's why it would work the most. I know, you're right. And then, so so he's telling this guy that, that he's eliminated because he's like, I think we're both auditioning for the same role. And I'm sitting there thinking, babe, I'm not auditioning for a different movie. Like, you're not going <laughs> to like your choice. You're not going to like it. You know, it's funny. So many of your stories today, so many of them are actually at their core about you rejecting a guy. But you are making yourself your, the victim in each one of them. <laughs> Wait, that's an incredible skill. Thank you. I've been what? sober for seven <laughs> oh, years. And that's what it is. Sobriety is about being the victim. It's yeah. about, like, when in doubt. Well, so is being gay. <laughs> I know. No, we are masterminds at that. And we don't it's use it true. all the time. No, Apparently I've used it a lot today. But like when, when you need to be like, I'm, mm-hmm. I, I'm, it, the, the best thing you can be in this world is the victim. Well, also especially gay men because gay men have this just double bind, like they've sort of figured it out in the sense that they, in fact, at this point are the CEOs of every major company and yet <laughs> they can like pretend they are oppressed. Yeah. yeah. And then not let lesbians go to Thai tea. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're like, this is the one space we have. <laughs> it's like, I guess, but like, what yeah. about every office building? The one space in East Williamsburg. <laughs> yeah. Okay, give me a break. Yeah, like <laughs> that's funny. Every it's like this whole building. place is a playground for gay men. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it does feel that way. It does. Like, and then you go home and you're like, wow, I've been walking crazy the whole time, and no one ever calls me out on it. Like, we just walk around half naked all the time with blue nails. I know. I was truly. The other day, I hadn't realized I was doing this, but I kept getting hot and unbuttoning and unbuttoning, and I was. I fully had one, the lowest button buttoned on my button down. And that button's doing a lot of work at that And point. I was like in the subway. <laughs> it's like, you can see my belly button. Saying, if you were in a STEM. We were, in we were talking about STEM. STEM. Yeah, we were talking about STEM. STEM. Yes, yes, yes. Um, should we ask our, our last question? Yes. What is, wait, I used to have a Fitbit. Never mind. But when you brought up STEM, I was like, I used to be obsessed with people that worked in STEM because I was like, what do you know about Fitbit? <laughs> I was like on the front lines of Fitbit. Totally. A Fitbit was such a moment. Yeah, it's kind of over. Well, now everyone has an Apple Watch. Yeah, Fitbit is a reminder to never be too confident. <laughs> mm. Everything's a fad True. unless you're Apple. Have you guys? What do you guys think of the the headsets that are coming? Headsets. Have you seen the commercial for the VR like headset that's I like going to re- 
quote replace like all uh, of they've our. They've been trying to make headsets happen for so long, right? Like it's actually been fifteen, like a good fifteen years at this point. Wait, what will it do? It just kind of mimics like it, it's it sort of looks like any other like kind of VR face covered headset that Computers. you would have. But then like it's gonna if you look at it, it's gonna have your your Apple. Um, interface, you know, with like the you know the buttons and the apps and everything, and then you can just like I guess point. Yeah, it's like it, like AR, AR, augmented reality. Yeah. Why but do we need that? What we'll do porn? Only, I don't understand. The but it's well, not even like you're in it. That's the elephant in the room. That, that's <laughs> the only thing porn. I would want out of and that. And I wish they would just like lean forward and be yeah. like, "This is what we're doing this for." And nothing else. Yeah. Is it, that is what it is. <laughs> well, I don't even know. But like, what the only thing that came, the only thing I saw in that that was even a little bit interesting to me was the f- the movie watching experience. Was that like you could make the screen really big and then you could look sure. it'd be like you're at a movie in your house. But I was like, then does everybody have to have a headset? Like, what if I'm with? Fr- I, it just yeah. seemed like it was. Also, kind of guess what? Sign up for Regal Points, and then you can go to as many <laughs> movies as you <laughs> yeah, want exactly. every month. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it'll be cool because have you ever gone to Disney World and gone on Soren? Do you know Soren? No. Soren is like not a, it's not scary or even fun, but it's like you it's a ride that takes you around the world and like like a like you're in the in the sky and you sure. see all these different places. And I feel like that could be VR. It'd be like, "Oh, this is what Florence, Italy is like." That could be cool. But then you could yeah. go to Florence. I mean, I know everybody has access to go to Florence, Italy, right. but I would I would rather we get to a point where everybody could go there than like Do you think at some point we're going to start speaking to our dead relatives in VR? My grandfather who died. <laughs> Wait. Wow. July thirteenth, two thousand eight. I don't think so, but because I feel like big tech is so far from any sort of spirituality that would give us any sort. Well, of Well, I don't to think that. it would be the real dead relative. But it, it would be, be like an a AI trained on everything your grandfather has ever written or said. Yeah, maybe like, and then he would have an answer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he would ask him. Do you think it would clear things up for you if he was? No, I don't care. I think everyone's gay. I think it would actually, I do think the conversation, don't cut any of it. I think it would annoy people and I'm annoyed that they'd be annoyed. You know what I mean? Y- so think, I just want to get ahead of that. Well, oh, you think they, uh, that people would be annoyed that your grandfather That I would gay. suggest that he was gay and it's like, we're all gay. It's right, like, right, lots right. of people are gay. Well, it's kind of like, I mean, with your family specifically, all three of you. Two gay brothers. Oh. All three of them are gay. So it's in, it's in there. It's in the lineage. Yeah. That is such a type of family. Yeah, my mom was <laughs> like, Sam's, Sam's boyfriend is like that. He has two gay brothers. <laughs> Don't tell me that. <laughs> no, it means Wait, that you have community. No, I feel like I know so many. Does he have other ones? I, I thought we were I the only ones. I know many. Okay, let me think. Families are, there's two types. There's t- gay no, or not. No, I really do think that like, it's very common for yeah. a family to randomly have like three gay kids. Yeah. More common than statistically you might think. It's like one or all of yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. It's like exactly. there's no middle yeah. ground. And you know what we need? We talked about queer representation. We need representation for all gay families. <laughs> so like when you're like, oh, my brothers are gay. No big deal because this family on TV is all gay. And yeah. like, so it's like expected. It's normal. Because mm-hmm. when I was a teenager, I was like, oh my, have you seen Meet Me in St. Louis with Judy Garland? I mean, yes, but like when I was a kid. There's one line where like one of them is going to the dance with her brother and then she's like, they say, you can go with us too. And she's like, one of us going to the dance with our brother is one thing, but two of us is a fucking circus or something like that. <laughs> this is the 40s, just in the 40s. And that's what I felt when I was in high school. And I was like, you're gay? I was like, well, then I'm not doing that. It's like, we can't be crazy. But now maybe if there were like representation, yeah. then it'd be I like, mean, no, I'll yeah. be gay. It does sound difficult to n- not to realize you're gay and not at least have that be a unique thing in your own family. Yeah, I know. I know. Yes. Like for me, it's such a point of like there's I feel like I have such a sort of like 
special place in my family because I'm the only boy and I'm the only gay one. And it's like, no one can touch me. Like, yeah. I'm not competing with anyone. I'm also the oldest, so it's sort of like... And, and I can't imagine coming out and then everyone being like, oh, yeah, me too. It's not a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah, my older, my younger brother, I feel like his coming out was really chill. Mine was crazy. I was driven home by a police officer. <laughs> I was drunk. And then I feel like it was like, okay, if I say that I'm gay, then I won't be in trouble for this. But it's like, no, you're still in trouble. You're <laughs> still in trouble. That's a very gay impulse. I know yeah, it's, to be it's like, the... <laughs> getting in trouble and be like, well, I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> And we all know me, that means life is hard for me. Yeah, it feels like so. you're like trading. It's your gay card. It's your birthright. <laughs> is that for one time you get to you get to play it? You get to get out a jail free card, but it yeah. didn't work. It's not that big of a card. Totally. Yeah, I do have memories of like in my early twenties, sort of pulling that, like being like, I don't know, my my parents were saying something, and and me being like. Well, it wasn't hard growing up gay. And then being like, I guess, true. Like, this is gay victim. This is where we learn yeah, to be the victim. No, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Because you can really just like exaggerate as much as you want. What are your, what are my parents as like ultimately very accepting progressive people going to say like, don't be dramatic. Obviously they're going to believe me when yeah. I say that being gay was hard. Yeah. yeah. No, that is the power of having like capital D Democrat parents. Yeah. It's like, you really can pull that and they're like, totally yeah. no problem. They're like, absolutely. Do you want money? Like, <laughs> do you want to take improv We're classes? voting. We're yeah. voting. We promise. <laughs> Whereas when I was a teenager, I was like in my room, like I never thought I'd die alone. <laughs> it's just so, so, angsty so angsty yeah it was really angsty. it was nice it, in, in in some sense like coming out was such an all-encompassing thing for like a really long time where you're like this is like our whole thing and then you miss it you're like that would be nice to have again it's no, nice it, to, yeah it's it fun really, to overcome you really do something feel old i mean also gay men are so afraid of aging uh famously and so you're like damn coming out is over like yeah what's next yeah <laughs> yeah when you're day one i think it's about alcohol when you're day one sober, that's so fun and clear. No offense. I'm sorry if you're at home and you're really struggling. You're like, oh, over the ledge. But like, it's very clear when you're <laughs> freshly sober that like, sure. but then when you get further from it, you're like, okay, but who am I? Like, yeah. who are you past the like, past the fireworks of just like coming out? It's, I think it's about, it's true about marriage. It's like, yeah, anyone can have fun at a wedding. Can you have fun in the middle of February with a husband <laughs> in an apartment? That is, no, it, it's absolutely true. I mean, I was, I also think about that a lot with, being like someone who like if you are someone who values like being academically high achieving and you're like okay i did it i like got into college and then i got a job and at some yeah. point that ends and you're like oh i have to figure out how to live a life like my identity can't just be that like i was good in school yeah you know what you do you start a podcast you start a podcast <laughs> and that's something i feel like uh, i like i'm i'm sure you all feel about this but like with being in you know writing and comedy and stuff like that it is so like project-based and like there is no roadmap and it isn't like any of the other job where it's like well i hope i get a promotion and then i guess i just keep going up at this like corporate ladder or whatever it is like you do have to really like sit with yourself and be like what do i want to make of my life yeah. and my weeks and my days because it is so up to me in a way that is like wonderful and like daunting and like you just have to really like be like, oh, also, what do I like to do every day? Because this is unpredictable and I can't like rest yeah, on this. We should each have a government issued career coach is <laughs> what I think. Yeah. yeah. And that it should be, be a, nice. a cool woman. A woman in a club. Wait, that's a great boys club to, to see in the world is career coaches. Yes. To, to get to our last question. Absolutely. Oh, what yes, were what you going to say? No, no I, I'm 
really running on st- on Steam <laughs> rather than STEM right now. That's the hardest one. Is what boy, is the boys club you could see in the world? But I think oh, that's okay. Wait, so I have to answer. What's a boys club I wish I could see in the world? Mm-hmm. I love your watch. Thank you. The way I said it felt crazy. <laughs> I said it. I was like, you're gonna leave me like my watch is missing. <laughs> Connor took it right up your arm. <laughs> He's a comedian and he's a pickpocket <laughs> a grifter. That's a grifter. It's just he's just coming to terms with the side identity. Wait, that would be so crazy if we had a podcast and we had people over to our house to. Rock. And then you pickpot, yeah. And then they, and then they called you out and then you were like, "Well, it was hard being gay." <laughs> so you're not gonna like accuse people a queer podcast. Yeah. Well, I'm LGBTQ plus, so I don't know what, what where you're going with that. Um, okay, what's a boys club I would like to see in the world? I've long okay. I there needs to be. I'm trying not to answer with like what you guys were saying. Like we need to have like a place where people don't drink and it's not a bar. And it's just like a place to congregate. Men of war. Men of, yeah, people play games a lot. That's, yeah, we get games a lot. But I'm like, there is a part of it that's like, what if we banned Catholicism and then turned all the churches into like fun spaces? <laughs> I like. It's like there needs to be a non-taxable religion-like thing that is not a pyramid scheme. Yes. Yeah. Third spaces what are like it? over. You say this a lot. The third spaces just Well, like I think don't people exist. are trying to bring them back because I think with technology, I mean, I'm not the first person to say this. I'm sure there's plenty of great writing out there about this phenomenon, but like obviously like the internet has like washed away a lot of that. I'm sure COVID yeah. didn't help, but I think you're right. Like some like, Something that is safe from government mm-hmm. intervention and isn't like for profit necessarily, but totally. is for people. And churches have great architecture yes. and aesthetic, so we could really capitalize on that. Even if the government could step in and just pick a few like bowling places, karaoke bars, like whatever, and make them free. Yeah. <laughs> like, why not? They have they are just as beneficial to society as a church. Right. Uh, and and by the way, if they want, we can also raise money for the poor while we're there. I'm happy to do that and pass around a little bucket like they do in church. Yeah. No, because I think that's like such a there's so many like aspects obviously the government feels so out of touch with what it means to be a person <laughs> and like what it means to <laughs> be alive. Yeah. <laughs> so like there is no like initiative that's like, what What about people having fun and like, and connecting with people? Like, I feel like it's such a missed opportunity that would fix. Yeah. I mean, I've long lot. said there needs to be a, in the same way that people have mandatory military service in like Korea or Greece or Israel, um, <laughs> there should be like, you can do a government mandated other form of community service that is literally a way to like feel like you are part of society yeah. before you go into college. Whether that's, I mean, you could literally be like a barista at the government mandated coffee shop. Right. Like, yeah. And I on. think there's so many, like, I'm, obviously, I think there's like a, a, a cultural reckoning with what like college means and yeah. what it should be and like who like needs to be going and doesn't need to be spending that much money. And I think that would be a great replacement for it, it would be like to have some sort of like, work program that is you know benefiting other people is you know giving you life skills is like giving you social like there's just and you're getting to know your community yeah you're also working with potentially people that are like of different age groups and backgrounds as you yeah i feel like in american in the lifespan of an american teen or like an american person they don't meet anyone that's not their age until they're like 40 (laughs) yeah it's just like you're going into all these spaces where you're just either with your family or with other people your age that's the weirdest part about college is you're only around other 18 to 22 year olds college is one of the most infantilizing things because if you think about like someone who doesn't go to college they they have so many more experiences between the ages of 18 to 22 and if you go to a college especially one that has like a big campus 
you are literally in this like fishbowl with other it's people like that are having care. the same. Exactly. Yeah. It's a daycare <laughs> that you pay a lot of money for. Yeah. It's the most expensive daycare on yeah. the planet. Yeah. It, it is one of those things I'm and getting back to our conversation about the you, people going right out of school into getting creative jobs or working mm-hmm. more day jobs. Like I'm grateful for the fact that I am around other like these soccer coaches are guys I probably wouldn't have run into totally. otherwise. They're of different ages. Also, I work with kids. I meet parents like I'm around so many different age. And I feel like that has like helped like round out my life in many ways versus if you go right from college to being in a writer's room with other Harvard grads like wh- yeah wh- are you expanding your horizons in the least probably not totally yeah but I agree I think what are you looking at me for I was thinking back to <laughs> one time I worked on a presidential campaign well I was an unpaid intern on a presidential campaign huge aka failed. volunteer <laughs> a glorified Jeff volunteer <laughs> I paid wait funny they bring that up because my college roommate he worked for Jeb Bush I just met this other girl that used to work for Jeb Bush. It's people are out there working for Jeb Bush. <laughs> and it's almost like refreshing because they're like teamed. he's not bad per se. Like well, I guess he's bad. <laughs> relati- he's relatively he is. yeah. But a lot of politicians, and I'm like full stamp of approval. Nancy Pelosi. I'm just kidding. Not Nancy Pelosi. Pretty bad. small list. Pretty small list. Yeah. But when I was, so I worked on this campaign and my job, I was a communications intern. Cause here's the thing in the campaign. You can tell that they'll let your job be whatever you say it is. So you can bring whatever the fuck you want to write on your resume. Resumes are a lie. And so I, my job was kind of really actually just to like walk around Iowa, handing out papers to all the people like in their houses. And like, I walk up to their houses and like talk to them. And then it was like, you learn so much about the world when you're just like looking at people's foyers and meeting old ladies in the middle of the day. And then just like, is fascinating. Were they friendly to you? Were they like okay with like people a gay were man so being on the front lines? Nice <laughs> to me. They were so nice. And I literally was wearing Doc Martens in a parka. I think people in Iowa genuinely love how important Iowa is in the political process. Like it's such yeah. a big deal to them that I that they are like more likely to welcome someone into their house. They're like, oh yes. campaigning season, my favorite. Like yeah. this is uh, this is the time when we're number one. Do you know it's that? like New Yorkers going to Broadway? Right, right. <laughs> they took it from. They're not doing the Democrats in there anymore. Do you know that? I know. I did read. I was that. worried, which I think is good for so many reasons. But what I was also I like, I don't even understand. Do I mean maybe you both do? But why is Iowa even important in the? Like I don't even really get it. Just because it's. You mean why is it the first primary? I guess I don't even really understand the why they do the it primary. that way. Because I'm like, well, by the time they get I to think certain it states, dictates. like we, well, because like I was frustrated in the last election by the time that like like Bernie was out by the t- like by the time I was even voting. So I was like, well, what the? Yeah, I think it can give candidates fundraising steam. Like that's one part of it, mm. or not, and also like the impression of a candidate winning or losing. I think affects people's likelihood that they will be supported in like New Hampshire, South Carolina. Interesting. So it's all like I mean to answer your question it is not conducive to a better democracy (laughs) right for sure it's bad well because also Iowa is just a bunch of white people it doesn't make sense because it's on a farm yeah like not the best way to do things for sure well needless to say we need to fix our political system (laughs) very much so and I've always said that (laughs) I think you'd be an incredible politician thank you so much (laughs) I do I Um, think that Wait, this is the last thing I want to say before we okay. before we wrap it up. This has nothing to do with anything, but I've been meaning to tell you this that you wrote an incredible piece on the Try Guys quite a while ago. Oh my from god, Docker. yes. I, this I don't even know if when maybe almost a year ago now. My probably pass, yeah. like passage of time is whatever, but um, there is a I'm gonna post it on if if with your permission I'll post it on our grid post for this episode because it is one of the funniest paragraphs of writing I've ever read. <laughs> Thank you. And absolutely eviscerating these guys. And I just I think Maddie and I like were dying laughing at it and that's very flattering. I, I literally like wrote so 
I wrote that in maybe like 40 minutes because it was like, <laughs> we needed like one more post that day. Right. I mean, got it, you know, I was an editor there. I wasn't a writer. So I would only write occasionally when we needed something or when I felt really compelled to write something. Yeah. Um, which I honestly kind of regret because I was like, oh, if I had, I mean, I was there for a year and a half. I could have written more and then had more to show for it, whatever. But um, for whatever reason that day, I was like, there was something about the Try Guys in particular and about BuzzFeed culture, which was so prevalent in the exact time that I was graduating college. Like I feel like I was like in my early twenties when Buzzfeed was like shaping internet discourse. Totally. And there was, I had such a, I don't want to say chip on my shoulder, but I had such a, like, I just had so many leftover negative feelings, I guess. And I was like, (laughs) you know what? I'll write a little silly post. And then I got to the document and I started being like the meanest I've ever been about anything. I was, it was like pouring out of me and I was like reading back and I was like, wow, this is like the work of an angry person. Like <laughs> you could, when I read it, I could feel that it hit. Yeah. Like, it like sounded like it had just come out of you. So like in like one swoop and it, I was, truly. and it was like, and that's how like when it just like washes over you when you, when you read it, yeah. which was excellent. It was a b- beautiful piece that it was just like, I was, cr- I was cracking up. I was like, this is, I couldn't summarize this issue any better. Thank it was very, very funny. Yeah. That means a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I didn't know favorites. that we were ending on compliments. Well, we, <laughs> we, if you want to, you want to throw one in? <laughs> mm, no. On seek treatment, you brought me a little bit of depressing state. Oh, that's very <laughs> sweet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Was that, uh, yeah, we have quoted this back and forth each other, not to like totally fanboy over you at the end of this episode, but there's at some point you were talking about your own podcast and you were like, the thing I love about a podcast is like, hell or high water, the podcast is coming out. And he and I sent that to each other and we were like, that is exactly how we feel. Yeah. We still like, text each other hell or high water. Because <laughs> so it is how it feels when you're doing it. It is like, it's a nice like consistency, but it also is like, this thing, uh, if it if we stop, it stops. And it, so you just kind of have to. It's so crazy to do something that, how do I put this? Like, momentum doesn't matter. Right. Like, if you don't book someone and then have them come over and record it, it's not going to happen on yeah. its own. And that's, like, what I'm most jealous of when it comes to, like, a CEO is that a CEO, if need be, could literally just, like, leave their office for a month and everyone else would sort of know what to do yeah. did you watch selling sunset that was a huge plot issue this season. <laughs> was it? no yes. i don't but th- but don't you think I'm, yeah. I'm not saying they're completely worthless and i'm sure there are business decisions <laughs> no, 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 that, for sure. but it's like you can literally leave for two months and ultimately the work would get done of course because under a ceo there's an entire exactly. c-suite of execs who are also mostly doing the jobs and then like i mean yeah i mean we're seeing this right now with like uh, there are all those ceos that are worth billions yeah. and millions or whatever they don't do anything i mean they're doing something but agree like it's like you really realize when you're the only one the employee is one person and it's you that like <laughs> if you stop it stops you can't just plug a gay person in and expect the podcast to run <laughs> you can't just have anybody here <laughs> Yeah. Although you know what's dark is that you sort of could. <laughs> like I think, I'm like I'm like Sam and I think we're so unique. And then I'm like, sometimes I'll listen back and I'm like, okay, so we're just talking about Lady Gaga. That's every week there's two about. random queer I mean, people yeah. from the street. Here we are talking about Wicked every episode. Yeah. So. <laughs> I know for my glamour. <gasps> all right. Should we? Um, if you want to plug your socials or oh, anything, sure. I'm, yes. Uh, f- f- George Severus on all platforms, um, and listen to Stradio Lab. And I think. Oh, and and actually. Please come see us on tour because we need to sell tickets. Straight, straight. Sam and I are going on tour. We're going to Boston, Philly, DC, Chicago, Minneapolis, Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, and LA. And some of those cities are not selling very Wait, well. Wait, that's so a, if that's you like guys a could, hot tour. Thank you. The hot places. Well, it's all we have with the strikes. I'm <laughs> yeah, truly yeah, yeah. like, 
Yeah, the timing could not be better. Yeah, um, so we'll put that in our show the, notes. The, if you just go to the Strader Lab Twitter or Instagram, the link is right there. But that's that is the one thing I, <laughs> the one thing I have. <laughs> yeah, definitely go uh, go check that out if you're in any of those cities. If you're in St. Louis, you have nothing to fuck. Sorry, yeah. don't cut that part. <laughs> <laughs> Insult your audience, <laughs> go fucking see. losers. <laughs> get out. Um, all right, we'll get out of here on a smooch. One, two, three. What's up, boys at home? Thank you so much for listening to our podcast, Boys Club. Connor, where can they find you on Instagram? At Connor Janda, C-O-N-O-R. Janda is panda with a J. And you can follow me at Nico Carney, N-I-C-O-C-A-R-N-E-Y. You can follow us both at Boys Club Comedy on Instagram. Uh, and we have a live show. Our live show is at Club Coming, typically on the last Friday of the month. And it is always the two of us and some of our favorite funny people. And we'd love to see you there. Yeah, often people from the podcast. So come check those out. Uh, if you live in New York, we'd love to see you there. Bye, boys. Bye, boys. Bye, boys.